I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the Vancouver International Wine Festival and Tourism Vancouver. The festival invites you to head to Canada for a spring vacation in one of the world's most beautiful cities, and it really is, and have a great time around all things wine. It is a really wonderful festival, Rick. It goes from February 24th to March 4th, has all these dinners, big walk-around tastings, lunches, brunches, tutored seminars. A disclaimer here for some folks is this might be a hitch. Uh, Paul will be tutoring some of those seminars. Well, yeah, but Rick's going to be roaming around, too, and you can still have a great time. All you have to do is avoid us. Most people do. So here are a few reasons to go, starting with outstanding wine from 16 countries and all those lunches, brunches, dinners, and tastings. And the festival makes it really easy for you to eat, drink, get tickets, and book hotels. Uh, This year, Rick, the focus is Iberia, Spain, and Portugal. Which I have to reluctantly admit, Paul knows a lot about. Put it in writing. (laughs) But there's more, too. One cool thing would be to check out wines from British Columbia's Okanagan Valley. They aren't just great wines. They're Canadian, so you know they're really friendly. Hey, don't you know? Yes, they are. One good way to visit is to make a weekend of it for March 2nd 4th. See the cherry blossoms and daffodils or snow in the nearby mountains. And if you want, just stay in the tasting room and look at it all. So come discover some outstanding wine and food in beautiful Vancouver. Listen to Paul or just hang out in the back of the room with me and we'll make fun of him. Hey. That's the Inter- Vancouver International Wine Fest. Dates, schedules, and lots more information is at vanwinefest.ca. That's Canada, so .ca. V-A-N Winefest. Or just Google Vancouver and Wine Festival, and you'll find it. See you there. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Happy New Year to everyone in podcast land. And Paul, I've brought you some gifts to start the year off right. I have a bad feeling about this. You should. I've got some studies and one of the silliest ones we've ever had. Oh, and man. That's the one that says, uh, it'll tell us just how sexy wine makes you feel. Rick, this is a family show. Well... With us, don't worry, there isn't much sexy. (laughs) Also today, we get a look at the size of the wine industry. A 100-year study is kicking off at UC Davis, and listeners ask why they're they're told not to drink wines in winter and why sparkling wine season seems to disappear after January 1. They also ask what to do if your red is too cold. Plus, it's a new year, so we are stepping up our campaign to make fun of wine snobs. Oh, we can never do enough of that. By the way, a couple of reminders. We are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. That's Sacramento's NPR station. We're in a special category, Paul. Capital Public Radio recommends. Recommends. It's hard to believe. Um, um, you, you just have to wonder whether they're going out of business. This is an NPR station. Hard to believe. Well, more bad news for academia. We're also on Brad, Napa Broadcasting, a network that comes out of Napa Valley College. You'd think they should know better. They are, in fact, an institution of higher learning. And yet. And yet. And yet. And a reminder, Paul is leading a wine cruise in July, Wines of the West. It's out of San Francisco on July 31st. Uh, it goes to August 10th. There's lots of information at winecruisegroup.com uh, through Expedia Cruises, by the way. And the ship they're on, this is the Crystal Symphony. I've seen pictures of it. That's as close as I'm going to get. It's one of Condé Nast's top, excuse me, Condé Nast Traveler's top cruise ships in the world. And Paul... You sure they're going to let you on? They have made some comments about what I need to do to my wardrobe. All right. Yeah, well, and, and, and they they're, have they're not made, wrong, by the they way. They have made me promise that um, you, under no circumstances, are allowed on board. Makes sense. Yep. There's lots of information and a link on our website as well at rickandpaulwine.com. 
All right, so let's get to my first uh, somewhat ridiculous study. Can I groan now? You can groan the whole time. Uh, this is this is not what we would call, and uh, you know that word scientific? Yeah, not here. This ain't that. No. All right, so it comes from the annual global drug survey, which you know has some respect, but it's a self-reported survey, and as you know, yeah, yeah. this is a uh, it's self-reported, so it it relies on people's both honesty and memory and and, it, and, and willingness to participate. Right. Yeah. And they have a lot of serious things in there, but the, the one that I like is the lightweight one. There's a shocker. Yes. Here's the short version, Paul. <laughs> it says that most people say spirits make them feel more energized, more confident, and here it is, sexier than wine does, generally by a two-to-one margin. Yeah. You, you, this is a completely worthless survey, you said, right? S- so you tell me you're not feeling sexy? <laughs> not sitting next to you, no. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> who would? <laughs> Wine, on the other hand, by a big margin, Paul, makes people feel more relaxed. And you'll love this. Tired. Six <laughs> percent of people said red wine made them feel tired. How did they do this thing, Rick? I mean, this, uh, is, just, this, this is just people talking out the yep. top of their head, right? This is, this is, this is really not good science. And this, uh, is, and this is people deciding they want to participate because they got something to say. Yes, but here's something that does pass the sniff test. Oh, uh, brother. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things was that uh, spirits made people feel ill. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 30% said it made them feel more aggressive. That's 10 times more than people said about wine. Well, I believe that one. Yeah, you don't, People don't like say walk into a bar, say, hit me with a Cabernet Franc, and then go start a fight. That's right. right, hit right. Me, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. This is a quick one. And this is just actually some information from Wine America, which is the National Association of American Wineries. And this is good for the start of the year. And it's actually kind of good for the industry to know this. $219.9 billion. Let's call it $220 billion in 2017. That's the size of the American wine industry. And, and you've, you played a key role there. Well, I am employed by them. Well, you're not only employed by them, but you drink a lot well, of wine. Well, that's, that's the only way reason I have a job is to cover my expenses <laughs> and get a discount. Um, yes, and, that, and to show that they will hire anyone, including me, they, um, they generated about a million jobs. Um, th- here's some of them quite menial. I understand that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> and there are there are more than ten thousand wineries yeah. in, in all fifty states. All fifty states. Nearly seven hundred thousand acres. That's more than a thousand square miles. Yep. Of, a, of energy. We're not going to run out anytime soon. Nope. Nope. That's we a good are, news. Yes. Yes. That's okay. Excellent. Last one, and this really isn't the. This is we're probably won't have the podcast still on the air, but with us, you never know, because this is a UC Davis <laughs> study. They just launched. Uh, it's a 100-year study to examine the structure and chemistry of how natural corks change over time and how those affect the shelf life of wine. Over 100 years. So here's my question, Paul. Yeah. You know any wines that last 100 well, years? Well, I, I do, but, but <laughs> yeah, here's, true, here's actually, a bigger the question. Really ones, yeah. Is which one of these researchers thinks he's going to be around in 100 well, years to figure it out? Actually, well, it's a generational thing. There's one guy that you says think? He's, he's signed his grandkids up to get into <laughs> Davis. Right. So he thinks that that'll get him in if he studies. Yeah, yeah. 100 years. Huh? Yep. What are you, where are you going to be in 100 years, right? Me? I'm going to, I'm going to be sitting right here next to you, Paul, making <laughs> really bad jokes. All right. So speaking of really bad jokes, yes. listeners have asked us some questions. So let's, let's take a few. Okay. By the way, thank you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And uh, if you'd like to ask us a question. Clearly an act of mercy. Yes, (laughs) that is true. Uh, ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com. Uh, any of the places where they they play our podcast, you can click on through and find us. Um, and don't forget, you can find us on iTunes uh, very easily. Subscribe for free. It makes us look good. Uh, before we take uh, these specific questions, we since it is the new year, we, want, we w- do want to say something about one question that Paul and I both keep hearing. In fact, everybody in wine country keeps hearing, which is... Why are we on the radio? 
Well, that one's been going on for years. Yes, that one's true. This one actually is a little, little more to the point of okay. asking after the wildfires. It's Is it uh, yes. okay to visit wine country? Yes, it is. And in fact, um, I was just at a winery the other day that said they had actually closed for a while. Uh, they were back open, and they were just desperate to see people. The place yeah. looks great. The wines taste great. The people are friendly as ever. Uh, and they love you to come up and help. If you really want to do something, if you want to do something to help wineries that have been affected by the wildfires, come up, visit a tasting room, buy a bottle of wine, and have a good time. You may even get a hug. Yeah, there you go. All right. So our first question is from Tim in Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. 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 So he says, why do I keep hearing I shouldn't be drinking whites now that it's cold? Madison, that's probably been going on for a while. Um, I get the red wine seems warm thing, uh, you know, seems warming thing, but what if I just like whites? Well, the, the real issue here is the reason people say that is because traditionally you drink red wines with big, heavy meals, and you generally drink white wines with lighter meals, fish and things. And, and you put and your white shoes away after Labor Day. Well, <laughs> I don't have white shoes, Rick, and if you do, I'm worried. Shh, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but... The the foods that go with white wines are traditionally lighter foods, things that you might more likely eat in the summertime. But I, it's a it's a stupid piece of advice, it as is. as most wine advice is, <laughs> except for ours. <laughs> <laughs> because why not start with a white and finish with a red and do something to help the wine industry? You can get it just over the hump and get it to that two hundred and twenty billion dollars. There you go. And you know, as as we say, you know, the first rule of wine is drink wine you like. Drink and, wine you and like. Don't let, you know, don't, if sitting by the fire, sometimes that fire gets a little hot, you're going to need a white wine. You're going to need a white wine yeah. to cool off. And you're in Wisconsin. You know, sometimes you just want to blend in, drink the white, and it'll fade. Yeah, into and the, the great background. thing is you just shove it in the snow and it's cold in like five seconds. There you but, go. Yeah. All right, this next one is from uh, Roberta in Napa, where we happen to be recording today. That's right. Uh, and R- Roberta asks if we don't finish a bottle of wine, Okay, I've already yeah. lost this, this Rick, train of thought. Rick, this makes no sense to you, right? You better let me handle this. I'm, I'm going to try to read this. If, I, if the words don't come out, Paul, just <laughs> slap me. Okay. If we don't, <laughs> if we don't finish don't tempt a, me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> shouldn't say that. If we don't finish a bottle of wine, I usually put it in the fridge overnight, even if it's a red, yeah. which I think is a good idea. Yep. Sometimes I forget to take it out until I want to drink it. Any tips on what to do with a red that's too cold? Yeah, well, I have two tips. I, ha- I have one you're not going to like, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I have I have one because my wife is a highly tra- trained French chef, easy for you to say. And when she worked at a very good restaurant in France, what they used to do is they'd store their wine in the cellar underneath the restaurant, and it was cold. And they would bring these bottles out. They'd be 48 to 50 degrees. They'd bring them out. And they would do, in French, it's called chambre, to bring the wine up to room temperature. They just take it and put it in the kitchen over the oven. And five to ten minutes, wine is warm enough, and they drink it. There you go. Now, I have an easier solution, which is pour the wine into a glass, hold the glass in your hands, swirl it gently, mumble some sort of incantation over it, and everyone will think you're doing something magical. All you're really doing is warming up the wine. Wait a minute. So all those incantations I mumble don't do anything? (laughs) I'm a little disappointed. That's why you still have no hair, right? Well, yeah, I've tried that one, too. I've tried actually (laughs) pouring the wine after I... Never never mind. Um, I have an even easier tip. Just when I say this, my winemaker friends run screaming, which is poured into a ceramic... You have friends? Well... They pretend. Okay. Um, any they they uh, they pour into a little ceramic pitcher and stick it in the microwave for eight ten seconds. Yeah. And that warms it up just yeah. enough. 
Yeah. That's right up there with the ovens thing. So I, I yeah, yeah, no, the oven thing's a little more gentle. But okay. Yes, or or pre your oven to three fifty and no, <laughs> don't don't do that. But any of those little simple things are fine. Don't worry about it. You're not the wine's not, you know, it's been in the fridge for a day. It's it's not the super, super perfect wine. It's, it was, but it's still gonna be good if you liked it. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay, that's it for questions for now, but uh, we will have more in just a bit. Uh, you're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, of course, and up next is some really horrible wine writing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, you that, love that music. that's happy music despite the very sad thing we're going to deal with. Yeah, it's too bad you can't see Rick the way he dances oh, to that music oh, in I the am, studio. I am lovely. <laughs> All right, Paul, first one's for you. Okay. Well, this one's left over from the holidays, written with a sympathetic tone, and the writing is clever, but it's completely snobby. I want to talk to you about a topic. <laughs> okay, he's really making it sound more snobby than <laughs> a it was topic intended, that I know ahead. you have faced. How to nudge your family members into drinking slightly better wine. Can I nudge you right now, Nick, Rick, and would you just sort of fall off the Well, I, I take, a, I take I... a much more solid smack to get me to drink better wine. Okay. Most of us have had this experience. You bring some expensive or hard-to-find wine to dinner with the extended family, but Aunt Myrtle doesn't know why she can't drink the same wine she's enjoyed every holiday for the last 45 years and it goes on and all i have to say is aunt myrtle is happy (laughs) and you're mucking with that yeah leave aunt myrtle alone drink your own wine and shut up what why is it this is this is this thing in the wine world that that you and i both rail against for all kinds of reasons it's like if somebody's happy why mess with them that's right it's not like your mission in wine is to have people enjoy wine not to have them enjoy your wines well no it's not even it's not even actually for most people your mission in wine is not to enjoy wine it's to make other people feel bad that you know more about wine right. than make they them do. feel small that's what that's we right. do yes yes, yes. Uh, yeah i'm already kind of you're small. already kind of yeah, small right? so it's, it's easy for me i can i, I can feel that way no uh, and, you and this, this is this is a pretty okay guy and and he, and he, he actually meant well and and the rest of that piece was, you know, it wasn't mean, but it's just the fundamental principle. Let people drink what they like. Dear Lord, Aunt Myrtle's happy, and she's not costing you any money. Let it go. <laughs> so right. what do you have here to compete right. with my— Speaking uh, of allegedly non-snobby, this comes from an allegedly non-snobby website. Yeah. The, the headline was—and this is the stuff you and I rail against, too—the 10 mistakes you'll make this with wine this year. The first mistake is, is that you don't make any mistakes. Well, that you're that you're going to make Aunt Myrtle unhappy. Well, yeah, that that was last year because it was the holidays. Oh, okay. You'll that make it again. You'll, you, okay. Well, you make it again when the holidays okay, come so around. Okay. So what am I doing wrong so far? Well, right? yes, that's exactly right. This notion that you can make mistakes with wine is just yeah, it's just horrible. Yeah. Unless you can't get the bottle open, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Yes. Or really. Yeah. Letting me get a hold of the bottle is not <laughs> such a great movie either, but the rest of it's good. So here's the next line: is, We want you. We know you want to look like a pro when you drink wine. I'm I'm being stiff here. When you drink wine around friends and family, we're here to help you avoid all those mistakes. That have your friends talking. If you have friends uh, that are talking about how you uh, drink wine, you need new friends. Uh, oh dear God! You if, need if new that's friends. That's why you drink wine. So just here are a couple of the bits of advice <laughs> from their top ten. One of them is using the wrong glass. 
Well, D- no, dear God, no, your the friends. problem is using the wrong end of the glass. That is a big mistake. You that, don't want to make that That is mistake. our good advice. That if you turn the glass part, upside down. You don't get much wine. No, 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 no. That doesn't work at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use the open part of the glass. Open part of the glass. Okay. That's our advice. Here, okay. Here's another one. This is this is another one that got my peak up, Paul. Mispronouncing yes. the name. Sure, some wines can be tough. If you're going to dinner, look up the restaurant's wine list online. Then look up the pronunciation of wines you might order. Your friends will be impressed. Even the sommelier will give you props. Or you can just point to the one you want and say, this one. Yes. Or, or who lives that way? I mean, yeah. that's just— yeah. that's Well, just, you yeah. certainly don't, Rick. No, I don't. I don't. I just don't bother pronouncing anything right. I, I can't even get you my just, wife's you, name right you sometimes. Just give me this one. Yes, I just yeah. Give me that one. A couple others were ordering too popular wine. Wines that are too popular. They call it two dash popular wines. Wines that are too popular, like Chardonnay or Cabernet. These may be your favorites, but to impress, find a, a wine they might not know. And even better, might not like. Yes. Because then you'll ruin the dinner. I know. I'm going to eat food that nobody knows. I'm going to have ants and crickets, but I'm not even going <laughs> to cook them. I mean. Jeez. And which wine do you recommend with your ants and cricket menu? Some wine you don't know, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's two more quick ones out of this thing. Yeah, one was – These are idiotic. One of the mistakes are using simple descriptors. Words like soft or smooth mean nothing to your wine sommelier. Oh, well, yeah. we know that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's because the sommelier is an idiot, yes. not because the words don't we mean We find anything. more specific flavors. We actually did uh, – we uh, talked about this not so long ago about – uh, a couple of wine psalms that were saying that they didn't that people didn't understand the definition of smooth and, and wonderful to see Dorothy Gator, the wine writer for the Wall Our Street hero. Journal for yes. many many years, take a very similar position on exactly the same topic recently. She's a she's a pro. Yeah, she was saying those guys are nuts. And the last one was, and this is not your fault. You're ordering your wine before you order your food. Yeah. Well, sometimes yes, but, but sometimes you don't have the option. A lot of times, though, the restaurant staff is trained to come over and say, what Absolutely. are you drinking? And getting back to our friend in Wisconsin, perfect time to order a bottle of white wine. Don't yep. know what you're having? Yeah. Order a bottle sip, of white wine. A, There's yeah. six of you at the table. You drink the white wine. Let the other five people drink what they want, and then you move on to the reds. That's what I say. Okay, good. Okay, Paul, let's get a couple more questions in here while we can. A reminder, rickandpaulwine.com. That's the place to ask us. Right, this is from Cindy in Berkeley. <laughs> so, And this is another kind of a seasonal question, actually. She says, how come no one talks about champagne after January 1? It just mm-hmm. falls off the radar with media. I love bubbles, and lots of people say it's great all year, but I see almost nothing out of the holiday season. Yeah. Well, that's well, true because something like 67 70% of all the sparkling wine in the U.S. is sold between October and December. Or in January 1. And then she's right. After that, people stop. But it's great. It tastes good. Your wife loves it. That's just, it, keeps, it keeps me up, it keeps me from getting tossed out of the house, I think, actually. Well, and, and that's saying something. Yeah, is that a good wine? <laughs> that's a good wine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, Cindy, you know, it's it's unfortunate. You know, media stories, and somebody used to sort of write these seasonal stories all the time or be asked to write these seasonal stories. It was always the what food goes with what season, blah, blah, blah. And it's always, we write about sparkling wine because everybody's drinking it, so you're sort of following the path. But the truth of it is, I, you know, one of my favorite recommendations for summer with sparkling wine on a hot day, but it's sparkling wine with a grilled hamburger. It just picks up all those other flavors. Well, but think of what Cindy's talking about, too. She's right after January 1. You go to Valentine's Day. Great time to have a bottle of sparkling wine, particularly in your case because you're trying to make your wife happy. Yes. Oh, yeah. I just line them up. You go to to springtime and it's picnics. 
sparkling wine. It's a great picnic wine. You go to June, you're celebrating graduations, you're having you're having uh, weddings, all of that sparkling wine stuff. So keep drinking it all year round. Yeah, and Sydney, actually, the advantage to you might be that um, with less publicity, that you know they're not. You you might find prices dropping a bit. It, they don't get spiked for you the way they do sometimes do during the season, the holiday season. So yeah. so maybe there's that. All right, one more. This is from Sonia in Sacramento. Sacramento. She, yep, yep. She says, "What is mallow?" A tasting room person kept telling us how much the how much of the wine had mallow or something like that. Is that bad or good? Well, in Spanish, mallow actually is Would, bad. Good. Yeah. So and quite literally, the literal translation of mallow in I, I Spanish. Think, is I think you're bad. mucking this one up here. Okay. Well, don't, don't, um, isn't don't, it a small town in Norway? <laughs> See, here mallow, we go. Yeah. Mallow is a small and, town and in actually, Norway. And actually, I think it was a song by uh, <laughs> Santana okay, at one point. So um, mallow is short for mallow lactic fermentation. And it is when it is a it is a separate process in which the little microbes in the barrel turn the uh, lactic I'm sorry malic acid which tastes like green apples a green snap apple. of green apples. In fact, mallow is related to apple. Yeah, and it turns it into the creamier lactic acid, which is more like cheese or cream. Yeah, or milk. That's the acid in milk. Lactic so it's going from from lean to to thicker, richer. Right. Um, all reds go through, or most reds go through it. Um, right. But so some whites, but only usually Chardonnay. So one of the things they're doing then is is they're dealing with the body of the wine. So right. what they're talking about how much they're talking about how how deep the body, and then there's a the side product um, to that. It's uh, you don't need to remember the name. It's called diacetyl. It's the stuff they put into. I can't believe it's not butter. But now, Rick, you have gone to the dark side. Because, in I, fact, I like the, butter. the correct answer to this question is, who the hell cares whether the wine's gone yep. through mallow or not? Yep. Just Actually, taste it. Right. And if that's, you like it, you better, should drink it. If a, you don't like it, you shouldn't drink it. And whether it's 40% mallow, 70% mallow, or mallow-free— uh, doesn't matter. I, I like sixty-two point eight percent. That's where Do I. Yeah. I uh-huh. That's where I land on the mallow. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, it, it's one of those things. You know, it's like one of those many things. Um, and it, you know, if it's it's if you like buttery whites, that would help you know that. But you can just say, "Is this white buttery?" Right. And that would pretty much cover it. It is the way they talk in a lot of tasting rooms, which is that all the technical stuff. Yeah. You have to know how to make it in order to enjoy it, yes. which is yes. idiotic. Yeah. Basically, what they're doing is they're, they're telling you gibberish. Speaking of gibberish, Speaking by the way. Speaking of gibberish, are we that, still on the air? That's the end of our show, Paul. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's for another round of gibberish. Excellent. Uh, it, that is. We Bob. should do a. We should do a show on gibberish wines. We do. Well, we do a show with gibberish pretty much every time. Right. Our producer is Napasini. Thank you to Napper Broadcasting. Uh, here, here. Where we're recording this one today for the studio. So Thank you, Jeff Sheckman. Jeff Sheckman for running us, and Capital Public Radio for including us in their podcast lineup. And don't forget, Paul will be leading a pretty spectacular cruise down the West Coast. Leaving July 31 out of San Francisco. Information is available at winecruisegroup.com and on our website. And I, I won't actually be captaining the ship. Thank I'll God. Just be talking about And one. it's a big ship. This is a really big ship. You can avoid him entirely. <laughs> and, and Paul will be speaking at the Vancouver International Wine Festival from February 24th uh, to March 4th. I'll be there, too. It's a big festival and a big city. You can avoid both of us just yeah. as easily. And Rick will just be hanging around looking for a free glass That's of wine. That's pretty much what I'm going to be doing. There is lots of information at tourismvancouver.com. If you've learned anything today, we hope it's that you don't need wine to feel sexy.
Really? That that's the lesson for today. I, I was I was I was just feeling kind of sexy. That's all. Yeah. Well, you're not looking very sexy. Oh, well. So okay. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends or with us, especially us.